Hello. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am really good. Listeners, how are you doing? Wonderful. Yay! We are on episode six. It is episode six. I'm so proud of us. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So, something came to our attention recently, and we're going to address that. So, we realized that we never really went over how we were going to be, like, structuring our podcast. Um, We're going to be doing it in seasons. So, each season, Alicia and I are going to cover, you know, the topics that we picked out. There's going to be 10 episodes per season. 10 episodes. And then the 11th, I guess, technically the 11th episode. A bonus episode. Is going to be, like, our listener episode. We haven't really come up with a name for it yet, but it's going to be your guys' stories. So with that, we have gotten a couple emails from you guys um, with your stories and just, you know, some random emails from you and messages, but we would love to have more and be able to choose some of them. Yes. It's so much fun. I love like, I love the engagement and just like, I'm so excited to like read everyone's stories. You guys have some good stuff. We've been getting like super excited every time we get like emails and messages. So keep it up. Keep it coming. All right, um, is that it for announcements? I think so. Okay, I don't have anything particularly special to report, so... Actually, I do just want to say, I <laughs> I went back and have been, like, listening to our episodes, and I realized that I've been, like, comparing, like, all of your stories to movies. Like, every, <laughs> every episode I'll compare, like, something to a movie. Every episode I'm like, never seen it, I don't watch movies. I'm a huge movie person. <laughs> And I didn't realize that I was doing it until I was listening to it. So. Oh, my God. That's so funny. I, I mean, like, I didn't even really notice, but I love it. I'm here for it. Anyway. Well, I've got another movie for you to compare this to. Yes! <laughs> okay. Today, I am doing an alien story. So, I'm going to tell you the story of Dr. Herbert Hopkins and his encounter with one of the men in black. Stop it. Yes. So I know that this can be more of like a conspiracy, but when I really looked into this particular story, it was like much more alien than conspiracy. So I'm really excited. I mean, technically, if you think about it, aliens are a conspiracy. Yeah, true. So that is true. (laughs) Like an urban legend. But um, so I was really scared. So I finished up my notes last night, and I had trouble sleeping. Like, I kept looking out the window. I know you said that last episode when you did um, BTK. Like, and then my animals kept looking around the room. And that's normal for Lonnie, but even Chloe was, like, shifty, and I felt really uncomfortable. So I'm already scared. (laughs) Cool, 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 cool. Okay, so for those of you who don't know what men in black are or like haven't seen the movies and honestly as a not movie person i haven't seen this movie in literally forever i've never seen it as a movie person so all right well (laughs) so the men in black are supposed men who dress in all black suits who claim to be quasi government agents who harass threaten or assassinate ufo witnesses to keep them quiet about what they've seen and it's sometimes implied that they can be aliens themselves so Dr. Herbert Hopkins it was a 58-year-old doctor and hypnotist who was acting as a consultant on an alleged UFO teleportation case in Maine. So, 
Herbert was like a really straight-laced guy, always reading. He would he wouldn't even go to the movies with his family because he'd rather be consuming factual material that he can learn from. He was like a I don't want to have fun. I want to learn and get smart and be the best kind of guy. And I listened to his whole like recording on like him reporting what happened and like this guy sounds like he sounds like grandpa that doesn't fuck around and he was shaken to the core so on the evening of september 11th 1976 herbert's wife sons and daughter-in-law had gone out to see a movie and left him alone he got a telephone call shortly after from a man identifying himself as the vice president of the new jersey ufo research organization and the guy called and asked if he was alone the doctor said yes and this wasn't really weird for him because like he had a lot of patients that would like call him and want to talk about confidential stuff Mm -hmm. so it wasn't weird for him to let someone know that he was alone and willing to talk so The caller asked if he could visit the doctor and wanted to discuss certain details of the case that he was working on, like the the case in Maine. So Herbert agreed, and after hanging up the phone, he immediately hung up the phone. He went to the back door, which is just down the hallway, to switch the light on so that the person would be able to find where his door was and... As soon as he flipped the light on, the man was already walking up the porch steps. Ew. So Herbert said that he didn't see a car. Uh, He saw no headlights. It was nighttime. Um, And even if this man did have a car, he could not have possibly gotten to the house that quickly from any phone because they didn't have cell phones. And you would either have to call from your house or a business or a payphone. And the nearest payphone was across the street. So nobody could have gotten all the way across the street, hung up, got all the way across the street, and started climbing up the steps to this man's house before he walked down the hallway, you know? So immediately he was like, that's really weird, but he kind of brushed it off, and he opened the door, and he let him in. So... He described him as wearing a neatly tailored black suit, black shoes, black socks. He said it was a very dark blue shirt because it had a little bit of contrast, but it was still really dark. And he was wearing a black derby hat. And he said that this man looked like an undertaker, which is really scary. (laughs) What's an undertaker other than the wrestler? Isn't it someone that like ushers you to hell? I guess that would make sense. I mean, I think that's what it is here let's let's look it up really quick a person whose business is preparing dead bodies oh Oh, okay so yikes like a mortician so herbert described the man as quote bald as an egg he had no eyebrows or eyelashes ew he said that his skin was like smooth plasticky white and dead looking with no undertones his nose was very small his ears were too low and set back really far on his head but his lips were like this bright ruby red so herbert recounted that he couldn't 
tell the color of the man's eyes. Granted, they were sitting in kind of like a dark room across the table from each other, but he said it kind of looked like his pupils blended in with the iris. Herbert said that when the man sat down at the table, there was like the crease in his pants didn't disappear. So like when he sat, his legs didn't fill out the pants and kind of, you know, like pull them up. You know how when you like sit, there's like you I mean like yeah, you can tell. you got to like grab them in front and yeah, yeah, yeah readjust everything. Yeah. So, um he thought that was really odd and he said it looked like the man basically resembled like like a department store um what are they called a mannequin <laughs> so as soon as they sat down the man literally just jumped jumped straight into asking him to recount what was going on in the case um he said that this strange man commented yes that is the way i understand it which kind of made Herbert question why he was even there but um he had this like really odd voice so it was like his speech was very slow and robotic like so herbert described it as like listening to a machine so the man literally just jumped straight into asking herbert to recount what was going on in the case and this is where herbert mentioned that this man had an odd way of speaking it was like his speech was really slow and robotic like kind of like when you like call and you get like an like a robotic automated message so the only thing that this guy said uh when herbert was like telling him what was going on in the case he said yes that is the way i understand it And when there was, like, a pause in the conversation, he only asked, what happened next? Then what? Just to keep the conversation going. But he didn't have any real questions, and he didn't have any comments. He was just expressionlessly monotone, like, confirming that, that he knows everything that the doctor is saying. Right. So Herbert noticed that the man was wearing these gray suede gloves and at one point this guy had brushed his lips with the back of the glove and that bright ruby red color came off of the gloves or came off of his mouth onto the gloves and that's when herbert noticed that that he was wearing lipstick and where it had um come off his mouth was just a straight slit. Ew. Oh. Mm. The man never smiled, never frowned. Herbert never saw any teeth. His mouth was just a slit that opened and closed when he spoke. Dude, I just got chills all up my body. I. Oh. It's so uncomfortable and scary. So now Herbert's like kind of trying to take more in about this man because he's not giving him much conversational wise right. conversation wise so he noticed that he had a receding chin and his neck blended into the collar of his shirt almost like if you sat like the head of a dummy on top of a shirt like there was like no neck happening yeah. and he never moved his head 
when he spoke. It was just his whole body that moved. So that's especially why Herbert described him as looking like a mannequin. Right. So when Herbert finished giving his full recount of what was going on in his case, the man said to him, you have two coins in your pocket, which was true. Um, And Herbert knew this for sure because he had paid the paperboy earlier in the day. So he was kind of confused, but like he felt kind of like he was in a trance. So he pulled out the two coins in his pocket. One was a penny. The other one was a dime. And the man told him to hold the penny flat in the palm of his hand with his fingers extended. So he did. And he just stared straight at the penny the whole time. He never looked up, never looked at the man. But he said that what happened next occurred in complete silence. So the penny's on the middle of his hand. And it started turning silvery. And then it turned kind of blue. And then suddenly Herbert couldn't focus on it anymore. It was like it was becoming fuzzy in his vision, but he could still focus on his hand. Um, And then right before his eyes, the penny slowly just dematerialized. Whoa. So he said that he didn't feel, smell, or hear anything. It just disappeared. Um, And the man said to Herbert, this coin is no longer on your plane. Which is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, he just made this penny disappear right before his eyes. And, like, not even taking into account how fucking terrifying this man looks and sounds, um, he just made this penny disappear. Into another plane. Into another plane. No. So... The guy then asked if Herbert knew Barney and Betty Hill. Do you know who they are? Yep. Okay, yeah. So if uh, anybody listening doesn't know who Barney and Betty Hill are, it's like one of the most famous abduction cases in America. Um, Barney and Betty were traveling back home after a trip to Canada. They saw a weird light in the sky. They pulled over to observe it, and then it turned out to be like a UFO that abducted them. Um, and it's it's a really big case, and it's worth looking into if you're into this kind of stuff. So Herbert said, no, he didn't know them, but he knew of them, and he thought that Barney had died possibly of a heart attack. The guy replied, that is not exactly the case. He died because he knew too much. And then he said to Herbert that Barney didn't have a heart just like Herbert no longer had a coin. Again, with the chills. I know. So scary. So, I I mean, I'm taking that as, like, when they abducted Barney, they kind of just, like, dematerialized his heart. heart. Yeah. Um, So, Barney had actually died um, when he was in a coma uh, due to something with a spinal tap, I believe, is what Herbert said. Um, But there was never any autopsy, and he definitely died under mysterious circumstances. So after this, the guy stated that Herbert had recordings on the Stevens case. And Herbert said yes, and then he started to get really uncomfortable. That was when he got uncomfortable? Well, I think he was really uncomfortable the whole time, but now he's starting to feel threatened. Right. You know? Yeah. So... 
the mysterious man said that he was right and he ordered him to destroy everything involving everything that he had involving anything on the case anything he had on ufos anything he had on essentially anything regarding aliens or abduction and he said all this again with no tone and oh i forgot to say his words were like hold on i skipped the um the bullet he described the way that he spoke as expressionless monotone scanning speech flawless english textbook no accent but no phrases no sentences just a sequence of words evenly spaced out no inflection at all so it's like he wasn't even speaking sentences he was just saying words and like yeah there were no sentences or anything i don't like that i don't like that either so what if someone comes knocking on our door because we know too much dude i mean i got all of this off the internet so hopefully (laughs) it's public information (laughs) yeah i don't think i know more than i should but um yeah so um and so so yeah the man told herbert that he was right and he ordered him to destroy everything this included erasing all of the tapes from the hypnotic sessions that he was conducting and he was told to go no no farther in his investigation and if he did he would suffer the same fate as barney hill and he also said he would know when he had done so like destroyed everything oh so this is when his speech began slowing down but there was no change in pitch the words were just slower and spaced further apart and he slowly stood up unsteadily and said my energy is running low must go now goodbye that's my impression of him (laughs) so he got up walked to the door and he started going down the steps that he had come up he was gripping the railing and he was going down the steps one foot at a time like step foot foot step foot foot like Ew. like he couldn't properly walk anymore right so he went around the corner of the building which was a different way that he had come up from because it looked like he had come straight then from around the corner so now he's turning the corner and this is when herbert saw a bright light coming from the driveway he thought maybe it was this guy's car and that he was going to it so he went and looked through another window to get like a better view and to see if like the guy was okay like he looked like he was about to fall and like peel over but when he went over there nothing was there the man wasn't there the light wasn't there everything was just gone so he went outside and went out onto the porch and he stood there for a while just kind of like waiting and like looking around and he said that he never had the thought to like look up into the sky and that maybe if he had he would have seen something but i feel like you would have like noticed a light in the sky so there probably wasn't anything there so there could have been right (laughs) so he freaked the fuck out after this once he like realized there was nothing there nothing was coming back he went inside and he grabbed his gun 
and he sat at the table for another hour and a half waiting for his family to come back. Oh, my God. And this is when he mentioned that um, when the guy got there, his cat was super unbothered and just, like, didn't give a shit, but his dog was freaking the fuck out. Like, his dog, after the man had left, his dog was still hiding in the closet, whining, and had, like, peed everywhere. So, oh like, God. I mean, I feel like dogs always have a really good judge of character. Oh, yeah. Dogs <laughs> so, always know. And cats. Well, not his cat. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe cats are aliens. Ooh. But, um, yeah, so he said he had to, like, drag the dog out. And, like, his dog was a good hunting dog, and he had never seen him scared before. So I think this kind of amplified, like, his yeah. terror. So he... Yeah, he was, like, sitting at the table with his gun, and then he, like, before his family got back, he got up, and he gathered up all of his tapes and all of his reports and everything and destroyed it all and, like, burned everything. So then his family came home. They found him sitting at the table with the gun, and he told them everything that had happened, and his oldest son suggested, like, looking in the driveway to see if there was, like, anything left, like, any tracks or anything like that. And all they found was, like, a series of marks that were, like, four inches wide and a foot and a half long. And they were kind of sandy, but they couldn't really, like, make out what it was. But it was directly in the center of their driveway. And their driveway was too narrow for, like, a car to get their tire directly in the center right and he recounted that like the lights that he saw when the man was leaving it like it wasn't a motorcycle and it wasn't that close right so uh, this is when he like his family was like yeah good move probably like destroying everything um and he called someone that he had been working closely with on the case and told her to call the national Enquirer and canceled all of his plans to publish anything that he was reporting on um he ended up having a recurring nightmare over the next week of just this guy's face getting closer and closer to him which is really so scary (sighs) and then um for a while after this encounter his telephone stopped working um his phone would just go dead he couldn't make calls out patients could no longer reach him uh they said that when they dialed the phone number it was like no longer in service but he had never canceled it or done anything with his phones so he ended up you know like contacting like the the phone company and they said that like there's no reason that this should be happening because you have a private line and everyone who calls you is calling from a private line and the only way for like there to be a third party on the call was to be connected by the operator and that never was the case so Herbert said that it sounded like when he could get calls through, it sounded like there was someone else there. Like from time to time, there would be clicks or papers rustling or just like general background noise. Right. And he would confirm with the clients, like, are you making that noise? And they would say no. And it was overall just like really uncomfortable and scary. So Herbert you know, got with the phone company and they started recording all of his calls for the next month. And together they came to the conclusion that 100% somebody had tapped his lines after the encounter with this man. Just, you know, probably to make sure that he wasn't, um, 
still going forward with his plans. Right. So they wouldn't have to take his heart. (laughs) So Herbert speculated that the man was likely from another plane, most likely an alien, and he never, ever went back to reporting on UFOs or anything of the like ever again after that. Wow. Isn't that so scary? That's terrifying. I know. And, like, the men in black always just, like, pop up, like, unexpected, unannounced. Like, it could be anyone for anything. I mean, not for anything, but, like, anything UFO-related. And so I was, like, really freaking out last night. I was so scared. Yeah. I I guess I didn't... I've never seen the movie. I know, like, what it is. But, like, I guess I didn't realize that it was based on a real thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know. Yeah. That's crazy. Big, scary stuff. Crazy. All right. Well, take it away, sister. All right, y'all. I know I said it last week. This is a rough one. Get ready to get fucked up. I'm so excited. LMFAO. Oh, God. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> okay. So, you had me do a cult this week. Yes. And I am a procrastinator. And I didn't do my notes until today in oh. between my clients at work. Oh, God. So, hopefully this is all as it should be. So, we're going to talk about the Ant Hill Kids. Ant Hill Kids? I've never even heard of this. I haven't either, until now. Ooh. Um, Ooh, I don't even like that name. That sounds really scary. So, Ant Hill Kids is a cult based out of Quebec, Canada. It is led by Rock Theriault. Um, He, once he, like, became the cult leader, he started going by, I believe it's pronounced Moise or Moise? Moise? It's like the hebrew version of moses or it's maybe not hebrew um i don't know it, it basically just means moses okay from the bible i think moses is hebrew moses is the one that parted the the red sea right i don't know anything about yeah i don't religion. fucking know i'm not religious <laughs> anyway um so the cult was active between 1977 and 1989 and the leader, Rock Theriault, was born on May 16th, 1947 in Saguenay, Quebec, in Canada, into a French-Canadian family and raised in Thetford Mines. Um, as a child, he was very intelligent. He did, however, drop out of school in the seventh grade to begin to, oh, I'm sorry, and began to teach himself the Old Testament of the Bible. Who would do that? I'm sorry, that was so mean. (laughs) Whatever you're into. Anyway, so he believed that the end of the world was near, and... Don't they all? I know. Come on. This is a a doomsday cult. Ugh. So, he believed the end of the world was near and would be brought on by the war between good and evil. I mean, isn't that like all wars? Yes. He doesn't sound like he's got any original ideas. I don't like him. (laughs) Form your own opinion, God. Yeah, stop being such a follower. (laughs) So he converted from Catholicism to the Seventh-day Adventist Church and began practicing the the denomination's regular holistic beliefs, which encouraged a healthy lifestyle free of unhealthy foods and tobacco. Okay, we love to see that. Yeah, can't relate, but... (laughs) As I hit the tape. (laughs) 
So in the mid-1970s, he used his charm and skills to convince a group of people to leave their jobs and homes to join him in a religious movement. He formed the cult in 1977 in St. Marie, Quebec, with the goal to form a uh, commune where people could freely listen to his motivational speeches, live in unity and equality, and be free of sin. That's the goal. We'll see. Oh, no. (laughs) So, members of the community were to cut off all communications with their families, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which was the one that he converted to from Mm -hmm. Catholicism, uh, because it was against the cult's values of freedom. Oh. I just want you to remember the freedom part. Against their values of freedom. Yes. Yeah, so they're 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 freedom fighters. Noted. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm excited to see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So he claimed that God had warned him about the end of the world and that it would come in February of 1979. Hmm. It is 2012 now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you are not wrong. Um. So in 1978, in preparation, he moved his commune by hiking to a mountainside he called Eternal Mountain uh, in St. Jogs. Jogs? I think it's Jogs. I like, I like Jogs. Yeah. I like Jogs. It's like J-O-G-U-E-S. Hogus. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> in the sparsely populated Gaspé Peninsula, where he claimed they could all be saved. Hmm. So it was there that he made the commune build their town while he relaxed. And he compared them to ants working on an anthill, which is how they got the name Anthill Kids. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Haven't you ever seen the movie A Bug's Life? They're all miserable. Actually, I haven't. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) I know. Who would have thunk? So in February of 1979, when the apocalypse didn't happen... People started to question him and his wisdom. Good. But he defended himself, saying that time on Earth and in God's world were not parallel, and that, therefore, it was just a miscalculation. Sounds like a little bullshit to me, pal. You said God told you. Right. So to expand the community as well as keep the members devoted, he married and impregnated all of the women, fathering over 20 children with nine female members of the group, and by the 1980s, there were nearly 40 members. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. So wait, like half their members were now babies? <laughs> Correct. That's so weird. So, yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. He Fuck had, him. He had 20 children at this point. How? Oh, Jesus. So his followers were made to wear identical tunics to represent equality and their devotion to the commune. Nice. Yeah. Sounds like a load of freedom. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> freedom. So in 1984, the group, the group relocated again from Quebec to a new site near Burnt River, Ontario, uh, a hamlet in central Ontario, now part of the city of Kawartha Lakes. Okay. Yes. Oh, uh, he had a drinking problem. Oh, did he? He did. So they can't smoke tobacco and they can't sin. But they can get drunk as fuck. Or he can. He was a self-proclaimed prophet, so he could do whatever the hell he wanted. You know what? After a good box of wine, I'm a prophet, too. (laughs) 
Gotta keep that God complex up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Following the cult's formation, Theriault began to move away from being a motivational leader as his drinking problem worsened, becoming increasingly totalitarian over the lives of his followers and irrational... Oh my god. Not again. <laughs> irrational in his beliefs. Crikey. <laughs> um, so, members were not allowed to speak to each other when he was not there. What? They were not allowed to have sex with each other without his permission. Uh, so only when he's watching. Noted. Freedom. <laughs> so much freedom. <laughs> they can't even speak. Are you kidding no, me? No, they, they can't talk to each other unless he's there. That is so beyond fucked up. And it, honestly, I bet they did not even abide by that at all. <laughs> Who knows? They were probably like, oh shit, Rock's coming back. Um, Everybody shut the fuck up. Yeah, well... Well, we'll we'll find out. Okay. So he used his charismatic talents to cover for his increasingly abusive and erratic behavior. And none of the other members questioned his judgment or openly blamed him for any physical, mental, or emotional damage. Really? Really. He Um, must have, like, a magical penis. (laughs) (laughs) That's like, ain't nobody controlling me like that. (laughs) What the fuck? He began to inflict punishments on followers that he considered to be straying by spying on them and claiming that God told him what they did. So he watched them and then told them, God, God told me what you did. It's fine. God, fuck him. So if a person wanted to leave the commune, Theriel would hit them with either a belt or hammer, (gasps) suspend them from the ceiling, Pluck each of their body hairs individually, or even defecate on them. Whoa! <laughs> oh my god! It gets so much worse. Oh no! It gets so much worse. Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So the Ant Hill kids raised money for a living by selling big. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's just, this is such an innocent thing, and it's just, it's so crazy to me. So, they raised money for a living by selling baked goods. (laughs) (laughs) And members who did not bring in enough money were also punished. (laughs) By getting pooped on, right? And each individual hair being plucked out of their body. Dude, honestly, like... (laughs) what like you're doing me a favor by like ridding me of body hair but like (laughs) god how long would it take how much area do you think he covered before he was like that's enough i don't know he probably like made drawings into their like leg hair or like (laughs) plucked words out drew drew a penis on their legs (laughs) (laughs) that's punishment enough (laughs) this will (laughs) do This isn't funny. I just laugh when I'm uncomfortable. It's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> over time, his punishments became increasingly extreme and violent. Okay. Um, including making members break their own legs w- with <gasps> sledgehammers. Oh, my God. Uh, sit on lit stoves, shoot each other in the shoulders, <gasps> and eat dead mice and feces. Oh. <laughs> no. Not even ants are this cruel. <laughs> and they eat garbage. <laughs> oh my god. Dude. 
not okay. <laughs> I am deeply unsettled. Oh, honey. So, a follower would sometimes be asked to cut off another follower's toes with wire cutters to prove loyalty. <laughs> I am silent because I have no words. I Okay. I'm sorry. This Can... is this is not funny. It's really not. I just I can't help it. So Oh, okay. 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 Hang on, I have to get it together because this part <laughs> is so bad. Oh no. How <gasps> can it get worse? Oh girl. Girl. So the abuse extended to the cult's children who were Wait, 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 wait. He his, I'm sorry. His this, own children. This whole time I was thinking he was having his children shoot themselves and cut each other's toes off. So yeah. he's talking about like the actual like adults. Yeah. Now we're getting into the children. How, as a grown-ass adult, are you going to let someone come up to you and be like, cut this person's toes off? And you're just like, well, it's... Yes, sir. I mean, it's me or you. If if I don't do it to you, he's going to make someone do it to me. No one had the thought to just deck the guy in the fucking head. Maybe cut his toes off? It's because he was a self-proclaimed prophet. That means something to them. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck, all, fuck all of you. <laughs> Next. So, yes, the abuse extended to the cult's children who were sexually abused, held over fires. <gasps> like rotisserie chickens. <laughs> you ever seen uh, the second Pirates of the Caribbean where they tied Johnny Depp up? And... Yes. This is not funny. It's not. This, oh. and, okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And he also would nail them to trees while other children threw stones at them. Nail them? Like Jesus. Nail on the them? Yes. Nail them. Nail them. To trees? While other children threw stones at them. They probably all got nailed to a tree at one point and they were just like, it's my turn to throw the stones. <laughs> okay. Oh. So one, one, number one oh God. of Theriot's wives left a newborn child outside to die in freezing temperatures to keep it away from the abuse. That's abuse, lady. Well, sh- I mean, she killed it. So- because if she, like, did something, like, to kill it, he would have known. So, like, this was, like, the way that. She's just like, oh, I forgot it outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming she might have, like, left it outside and then brought it in before he, like, got up. Oh. Maybe. And said, like, I don't know what happened. It just died it's in the just... middle of the night. Okay. Maybe. Right. I don't know. Sudden infant something syndrome. Do you know what that is? Sudden uh, infant. It's SIDS. Sudden... sudden infant death syndrome. It's just SIDS, dear. It's just SIDS. So... Theriault attempted to backtrack to the original religious mission of the commune, beginning to strongly believe in purifying his followers and ridding them of their sins through abusive purification sessions where the members would be completely nude as he whipped and beat them. Please tell me how that is sinless. You gotta beat the demons out. (laughs) But he's sinning while cleansing others of their sins? Correct. That is correct. I don't like it. So, 
obviously he had a god, a god complex and he claimed to be a holy being and started performing unnecessary amateur surgical operations no. on sick members to demonstrate his healing powers. These surgeries, quote unquote, would include injecting a 94% ethanol solution into stomachs or performing circumcisions on the children and adults of the group. Okay. Okay. That's... So in 1987, social workers removed 17 of the children from the commune. However, he faced no repercussions for his acts. How? I have no idea. Did he just drunkenly charm him way out of jail time? I have no idea. It didn't say. I have no idea. So in 1989, when follower Solange Boylard complained of an upset stomach, Theriot performed another amateur surgery without anesthesia. Uh He laid her naked on a table and punched her in the stomach. (gasps) Surgery. Surgery. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. (sighs) Then forced a plastic tube into her rectum to perform a crude enema with molasses and olive oil. What? Yeah. What is the point of that? Uh-huh. What? He, okay, but wait. He then cut open her abdomen with a knife and ripped off part of her intestines with his bare hands. And I'm assuming she's fully awake for all of this. Yeah, no anesthesia. That... So she felt all of this. Literally, I don't like even having a bellyache, let alone (laughs) someone ripping my intestines with their bare hands. So how did that go? How did... Did she die? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Okay. So Theriot made another member, Gabrielle Lavalle, stitch her up using needle and thread, (gasps) and had the other woman shove a tube down her throat and blow through it. Uh, she died the next yeah. day from the damage inflicted by the procedures. Uh, Claiming to have the power of resurrection, Theriel bore a hole into Boylard's skull with a drill and then, ha- oh, and then had other male members along with himself ejaculate into the cavity. <laughs> So, um, when Boylard inevitably did not come back to life, her corpse was buried in a short distance from the Ant Hill Kids commune. Did he think that jerking off into her head was going to bring her back? I mean, it does create life. Jesus Christ. <laughs> in a sense. Jesus. So, Gabrielle herself underwent harsh treatment at the Ontario Commune during the late 1980s, suffering welding torch burns to her genitals, a hypodermic needle breaking off in her back, and eight of her teeth being forcibly removed, which is like the one thing that makes me most uncomfortable in the world. That makes you more uncomfortable than somebody jerking off into a hole in your head? Yes. And having your... It all intestines being ripped apart. It all makes me uncomfortable, but like my teeth being forcibly pulled out is a little more practical than somebody reaching their hand inside my stomach <laughs> and ripping apart my intestines. I guess that's true. So yes, having my teeth ripped out is like my biggest fear. Oh, Jesus. 
So Gabrielle attempted to escape from the commune after Theriel cut off parts of her breast and smashed her head in with a blunt side of an axe. But upon her return, he removed one of her fingers with wire cutters. She returned? Apparently so. Uh, Pinned her hand to a wooden table with a hunting knife and then used a chainsaw to amputate her entire arm. I just want to know what what his reasonings were for this. Because, like, that, that has nothing to do with cleansing people of sin. Like, cutting No, but off. he's doing some fucked up shit and he knows it. Yeah. So if somebody leaves, they're going to tell someone and then he's going to get in trouble. Oh, my God. So in 1989, Theriot was arrested for assault. Obviously. Just assault. <laughs> after Gabrielle fled the commune again and contacted author- authorities effectively dissolving the anthill kids thank fucking god so provincial authorities had long held suspicions against the cult due to the particularly primitive living conditions of its members Uh, but because the commune was officially registered as a church officials were legally unable to investigate the adults and could not do much except ensure the welfare of the children oh my that's so messed up i know um, Theriot was found guilty of assault for the amputation of Gabrielle's arm and received a sentence of 12 years imprisonment. The vast- 12 years? 12 years, yes. But just okay. sit tight. Okay. Um, the vast majority of the cult's followers abandoned Theriot after his arrest, but during his imprisonment, he fathered another four children. So that makes 24. How? Uh, uh, with remaining female members during conjugal visits. Yeah. So Gabrielle's report allowed further investigation into Theriot's actions, exposing the wider abuses at the communes and Solange Boillard's murder. In 1993, Theriot pled guilty to second degree murder for the death of Solange Boillard, I can't say her name, Boillard, and was sentenced to life imprisonment. In 2000, he was transferred to Dorchester Penitentiary, which is a medium security prison in Dorchester, New Brunswick. And then in 2002, he was rejected parole. He was rejected for parole as he was considered too high risk to reoffend, and he never applied again. Like, why would you think you would get out after all of that? Yeah, for real. I wouldn't even try. Because he has a god complex. Yeah. So in 2009. The controversy made headlines again when he tried to sell his artwork on a United States-based website, murderauction.com, which called itself a, quote-unquote, true crime auction house and was willing to sell some of Theriot's drawings and poetry. Shame on them. Right. Uh, The Correctional Service of Canada prevented his art and works leaving the penitentiary, And Stockwell Day, the Canadian federal public safety minister at the time, wrote to the correctional service to express concern that the killer was benefiting from work in prison. So, yeah, they think that he had pretty much like too much freedom in prison. (laughs) Freedom fighters. Yeah. On February 26, 2011, Theriot was 63 years old and he was found dead near his cell at the Dorchester Penitentiary. Um, his death is believed to be the result of an altercation with his cellmate, Matthew Gerard McDonald, a 60-year-old convicted murderer from Port-au-Port, Newfoundland, and Labrador. 
who was charged with the killing. Good for you, Matt. Yeah. So get that guy out of here. McDonald pled guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison, but he already had been serving a life sentence for his previous murder charge. So he's like, whatever. He he just took one for the team. Yeah. You know, um, so he had stabbed Theriel in the neck with a shiv, Mm. walked to the guard station, handed them the weapon and proclaimed, quote unquote, that piece of shit is down on the range. Here's the knife. I've sliced him up. Damn! What Hell yeah, McDonald. I mean, I don't know what this guy did besides like murder people. So he could like equally be a piece of shit, but like at least one, at least one of the piece of shits is flushed. Yes. But I hear when you go to prison, if they find out that you have sexually assaulted children, oh yeah, yeah, they don't take you. You're like that. you dead meat. Yeah. So if you want to watch anything regarding this, um, there was a film made in 2002 called Savage Messiah and it depicts Theriot's crimes against his followers and the ensuing legal recourse. Um, the film stars... Uh, that doesn't matter. Sorry. <laughs> I wrote too much. Um, and Gabrielle actually wrote a memoir of her life called... Oh, it's in French. La Alliance de la Brebe. Brebby. Brebby. Brebbies? I don't know. It's French. So that is yeah. the that is the the Ant Hill Kids cult. I like I liked none of that. No. I am it's so unwell at the moment. Yeah. No bueno. Dude, some really fucked up shit goes on in this world. Dude, seriously. I just I can't believe. I I, I can't. I just I can't. I just literally cannot. Cannot. Uh, well, well that's onto that. <laughs> onto uh, episode seven, Alicia. I want you to cover a murder. I'm gonna have you do a conspiracy. Conspiracy. I love conspiracies. I do too, and I'm actually really excited because I've had my conspiracy planned for a long time. Yay! I don't know what I'm gonna do, but. It'll hopefully not be as disturbing as what you just gave us. What you've gifted upon all of us. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't want to say thank you. <laughs> well, well, where can the people find us? The people can find us at... On... <laughs> people can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, And... As we stated in the beginning, we want to share your stories on episode 11, so send those via email at creepyweegeepod at gmail.com. You can also send them to us over Instagram. Um, you, can, you can DM us. You can slide yeah. into our DMs. Slide in. Slide on in. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, true crime, paranormal, scary dreams, whatever you got. Send them in. Yeah, literally anything. You know what I want to hear about? I want to hear about people's um, experiences with sleep paralysis. Because that always fucks me up. It fucks me up, too. So if you have a sleep paralysis story, send it in. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be fun for us and not you. I was going to say, I'm sure it wasn't fun, but... (laughs) I've experienced it. It's not fun. No. Maybe I'll tell you guys about that during the listeners episode. I can tell mine, too. Oh, yeah. Because I had one, like, right after you. Oh, it'll be a date in five episodes from now sounds good all right okay bye (laughs) Uh uh-oh